Hello, and welcome to Light Above Solitude, a podcast for the multifaceted soul currently in search of that special spark. I'm your host, Kalia. Light Above Solitude illuminates your path to self-discovery and growth on a soul level through mindset, holistic health, intentional living, and the exploration of elements and tools used in modern spirituality. This podcast is for the woman who doesn't feel completely safe to be authentic. I am here to tell you, you were born to stand out. I am ready to guide you out of solitude and into the light of hope, love, and freedom. I'm here to share stories and lessons learned on my journey from the dark side of depression into the light of alignment. I will also invite guests to chat on their expertise along the way, so make sure you stay connected at lightabovesolitude.com. All right, time to get lit. Just a little disclaimer, this episode contains audio taken from a video that was originally streamed live into another platform. So please excuse any of the sound difference you might hear and any other side chatter that may occur. If you would like to follow me in my Facebook group to check some of these shows out live while they are on the air, the link should be in the show notes below. And thank you for your consideration. This is a guest episode. In my business, Front Seat Writer, I host a segment show called Stories, in which I invite guests to our Facebook group to share a little bit about their journey to mental wellness and how animals, particularly dogs, have helped them along the way. This is their story. I hope you enjoy. Uh, There we go. We're live. All right. So sorry, guys. We're a little bit behind schedule. I was trying to use a new mic that I thought would be better sound quality for you guys, but it goes into my headphone jack and then I couldn't hear Denise. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? Because it's macro retrograde and communication is usually disrupted, it is normal. We are in macro retrograde. It happens two or three times every year. So, yeah. Yes, that is true. Yeah. I have gotten tongue-tied so much yeah. in the last, like, little bit. Yes, yeah. yeah. that is definitely the case. Everyone's going to have forgiveness for us. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely, yeah. Because it is really, I, I think it is a great time for us to catch up and talk about this issue because Mercury retrograde is a time for you to review, reflect, instead of, like, doing a lot of action. So this is a conversation that hopefully will help people to reflect about their own journey or like just to reveal and it's a lot of really really like more rituals right remember reminder so that is what micro retrograde is so this conversation is actually happening at the time I feel because it is for us to reflect how far we have come and yeah <laughs> yes and I love that you scheduled you you mindfully scheduled your dates to come on the show with those things in mind, which I think is yeah. yeah, tomorrow, um, tomorrow my no, I th- I think like after midnight my time, so it will be tomorrow morning your time, is it? No, awesome. Uh, I can't. The time difference is difficult. So tomorrow is new moon, and I love the fact that when we are in new moon, so it is like some. It is a great time because it's like universe is giving us another chance to start over 
and I like to make wishes and manifestation on new moon. Well, probably not every new moon, but sometimes you just got the urge that like this is a good moon to manifest. And I think like now that I am in a sort of like second semi lockdown, I just feel right. I uh, I'm I still need some new energy, and but like to actually welcoming new, we sort of like really need to reflect our history, no matter how painful it could be. Um, yeah, so yeah, that definitely I think is a good good day, and yeah. Absolutely. And I, I have been working on owning my truth series in the group too, which I think is perfect timing as well. But yes. all right. I want to welcome everybody, you guys. Um, welcome Denise Langan. Am I saying that right? Yes. Okay. Um, to the group today. Um, I'm gonna read a little bit about her. I'm just I'm just gonna read you her bio, you guys. She's awesome. Oh, thank well, you. <laughs> All right, so, and actually, how do you say your business name again? Is it Irama? Irama, yeah, Irama. Yeah, it's a um, Celtic word, meaning journey. I want to make sure I say that right also. (laughs) Okay, so Denise is the soul space creator behind Irama Space, which is an interior styling and feng shui studio dedicated to bringing women back to their soul home. Born and raised in Hong Kong, Denise has worked in an international interior styling company, working on projects for five-star hotels like Rosewood and the Ritz-Carlton. And that's where she has gained great understanding of the impact of a curated space on individuals. Um, Deeply interested in spirituality, like we've been talking about. Feels called to go on many different soul journeys, ultimately bringing her to the beautiful city of Indenburg. Um, Irama means journey to the unknown in Celtic, which captivates Denise's belief in the fact that interior design and feng shui are a gateway back to the soul and that when we are fully connected to our surroundings, we will feel deeply nourished and supported. Like, wow. I read it. I felt, I can't, anyway, yeah, thank you very much. I actually, did I write it or did you write the last bit? No, no, that's, that's all you. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> well, because it just sounds, because when I was writing, it, it always feels different when, when another person is saying it. So, yeah, so just a lot of, I, I probably made a mistake in my bio. I, was, I wasn't born in Hong Kong. I was born in Australia, but I grew up in Hong Kong, so I don't feel Aussie at all, and I just feel completely Hong Kong, and... So um, just a bit of my journey, like I guess, um, so growing up, um, I was in, I don't even know how to begin, but like basically there is a point in life that I feel, I start to feel different with everyone. Uh, I guess that I always sort of had this idea that I feel different, like just I seem to have an urge to please everyone. And then in the expense of losing myself, and then when I was in boarding school in England, I think that was that was tough being away from my family. It isn't that I have a great relationship with my family; like they are great, but you know, like just as teenagers, it's very hard to have a healthy relationship with your parents. But like in boarding school, and because those are my formative years, and then when you are surrounded by 
people who are also negotiating their own identity, it can feel very hard and lonely. And then I just felt, um, you know, like when you watch movies like Mean Girls or like uh, anything about American high school, you've thought about bullying or like the difficulty of fitting in. Well, um, I'm lucky in the sense that I don't think I was ever bullied, but then I just have the constant sense that I don't really belong. Firstly, like the boarding school is quite, uh, most of my friends are really, really rich. And the only reason that I can go to the boarding school is because of a subsidy from the government. And so the whole time I felt like I don't belong there. And, and then like being Asian in a predominantly English school is also make me feel very left out. And then, and at that time, like, I know how to speak English, but, like, not, like, how I can speak that. So it's, like, sometimes when you try to make friends with someone and you struggle with words and you struggle with the culture. And so I really just spend my time with Hong Kong friends. But then, then I also don't feel very fit in because my whole life, when I was growing up, I'm, I love English literature and I can't really talk literature with the, with my friends and I felt like such a nerd when I want to spend time reading or like writing instead of, I don't know, like instead of just hanging out and drinking. And there is also a period because I felt such a big need to fit in that I actually went out drinking like crazy. And I, to the point that I don't drink at all after 20 because I felt I had drank so much when I was a teenager that I have like just used all the quota in my life, but also I never really enjoy alcohol because it gave me allergies, but it is just, I think for a lot of girls, we just went through a period of trying to find who we are. And then while we are trying to find who we are, we actually lost touch with ourselves. And then at the very last year, um, so for every holiday like Christmas or Easter, I will go back home. And I, when I went back to my school after Easter, I had a major breakdown. Um, so that is like the beginning. <laughs> and like all through the last year, I knew something was wrong. Like I didn't want to talk to anyone. And so everyone would go to bed at like 11, but like I always go to bed at eight because I like to wake up at three. And then I just really need those three hours, three or four hours alone in order to, um, really just to make myself feel the idea of living, just to feel things. And so it was quite hard. And then when I had a major breakdown, I am like, I can't stay in the school anymore. So actually that was like a few months before my A-level, but I just couldn't. So um, I told my mom, I'm like, I need to come back home. I, I couldn't stay here. Like I just couldn't. So that is sort of the start of my diagnosis and um, firstly my diagnosis was depression which resulted in this is a wrong diagnosis and um, I really wish if I was given the right diagnosis it would probably save me a few good years but I was never given a um, correct diagnosis until I was maybe like five or six years later yeah so that is sort of the beginning and then I actually, instead of going to a uni in London, I decided to go back to Hong Kong. But then, then I had the difficulty of fitting into the Hong Kong life. 
like the whole time I was living alone, and then suddenly I need to live with my family. So it was hard. But yeah, so that is just you know, like when you think back, you kind of you can't really remember the details. You only remember how you feel, like the confusion, like being in a hazy state, like everything is blurry. But then it was so vivid at that time, and sometimes might be at the middle of the night, you will still remember the vividness. So, yeah, but like I am a lot better now. And then later on the years, I was given a proper diagnosis and a great psychiatrist and a great psychologist. So it was the beginning of my healing. Um, I am actually still taking medicine, but then I every month or so, I have. Well, not a month here, but like so every now and then I'm reducing the dosage, which is great because every time when I reduce, I'm like, wow, I can do it. <laughs> like you know, you know, like every time you reduce, you have that fear of like. Firstly, it is the withdrawal symptoms symptoms that you fear, and then secondly, you just really fear a bounce back. So every time when I successful successfully reduce, even only by twenty five mg, I felt amazing and I felt like I have reached another milestone so yeah I guess yeah I just feel like people should talk about it really yeah yeah I can relate to so much of that I feel like I've experienced that but on like a smaller level like you actually moved countries whereas I just kind of look different from the people I grew up around and so that kind of made me the outlier and um then I started people pleasing and trying to fit in like we all do and just completely lost myself and everybody I was around and I can totally relate to that um so do you mind sharing what your actual diagnosis was well actually the actual diagnosis was bipolar disorder plus ADHD and but um I have tried taking ADHD pills, but I just absolutely hate it. And I really just try to control my ADHD tendencies and symptoms with other things and like meditation or because in a way, I think once you are given the correct diagnosis, it is a blessing. People don't like the labels, but in a way, I like the label in the sense that I know what they are because of the awareness of what they actually are, it gives you the power to overcome all of these things. And you, once you give something a name, you sort of know what you are dealing with. And I guess the way I see it is, I don't think, I think once someone has depression or bipolar disorder or whatever, they sort of become part of you. And but it doesn't mean that they absorb you. It doesn't mean that you you would become an inferior person. It it is neutral. You, it just become part of you, and you just need to like to live in peace with it. Like to have almost treat her as a friend. That sometimes you have difficulty with. Sometimes you have a better time with, and just that it is you can't disconnect this part of yourself and it's sort of like made me who I am as well but like uh, well it's a very difficult it's a love-hate relationship because I feel if I haven't gone through what I had gone through I wouldn't be 
where I am, I wouldn't do what I do right now. So I guess, especially when I was diagnosed at that time, which was such, which was a time when you stepped into the society and all that. So I can't imagine how I would do otherwise. So, but then I'm glad I had that experience, but obviously maybe one day it will come back, but then it just means that I, I'm not as scared as before because I feel like I know how to make peace of it, even if it suddenly come back for one or two days. You know, like we are women, so every month we are in a cycle and with the hormonal imbalance which happens in every single woman, it's because our hormones are structured. So there will bound to be days that we feel depressed or we feel sad. And sometimes I, I used to see that as, oh, oh my God, am I falling back to depression or it was is it another episode but then the more I know about our bodies our life then you sort of know how to cope with then you sort of know how to identify and all the appropriate actions to take and obviously I have a dog right now so he's a great help (laughs) yeah yes I love that you pointed out and I've never heard it put that way is to acknowledge your diagnosis but also separate it and treat it like a friend that is amazing because being a people pleaser we are always feeding off everyone around us and if we can treat that part of us as yes it influences me but i'm going to treat it as a separate entity that is an amazing way to look at it i love that part yeah i guess like um the thing is you know when you were first diagnosed and you were still deep in illness you weren't able, you just hate it, you just absolutely hate it. And the more you hate it, but then it is part of you, so it sort of makes you hate yourself as well. And I didn't enjoy hating myself that much. So it is it's a long, long, long journey. But obviously with a lot of professional help, a lot of different tools, then I sort of make peace with it. And it is almost like when you hate this sickness, you fit into it and it becomes more powerful. So you sort of like need to make peace with it. like right like see him as a friend like okay i know you are here and i know that i should do this thing when you are here so i think that makes it easier yes and it is there's no right answer for everyone everyone's situation is different and so being able to have the tools and using different aspects from everyone else's toolbox is super important as well and because we are dog moms you and i yes dogs definitely play a part in that um so you're currently dog mom to hendrick tell me yeah actually uh, oh hendrick is hendrick (laughs) yes my mind Yes, with my um, with my husband right now. So, um, actually, um, I miss dogs so 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 much since I moved to Edinburgh. I'm not a person that grew up with dogs. I was actually super super scared of dogs until I was like eleven or twelve. I was so scared to the point that when I see a little girl, like, um, you know, like when they tie their hair to. And if they are short, they sort of look like dogs. <laughs> so I was so scared that I would cry just seeing a little girl because I thought she's a dog. And but then Snowy, which is the first dog, which is a dog of my grandma, she's so gentle, so beautiful, and it's like she understands my fear. And she so sort of like she sort of like gave me time to overcome my fear, and 
she's an amazing dog. I, I didn't get to know her very well, but every time when I visit her grandma, because I visit my grandma, I feel more and more comfortable with dogs, and eventually I love dogs. Like, I, I, I love dogs. So Hendrix is like, but technically, Hendrix is my dog. Uh, oh, it's very hard. Well, in a way, he's sort of my first, and he's sort of my fifth, because Hendrix is really the first dog that I take so, so, so much responsibility, because I used to stay with Spicy and Pepper, I would stay with my family, so we sort of share the responsibilities. And then when I was with my ex-partner, then we sort of, then the two dogs that I came to really love um, were with him. So I didn't really do the actual day-to-day -day responsibility, like taking to the bed. I mean, taking to the bed every time or like walking every single day. So, but um, I think having Hendrix during lockdown is the best, best, best thing. <laughs> because without him during lockdown, I swear to God, I wouldn't leave the flat. And and she and it's as if he knows what's going on. So yeah, so that's my ADHD tendencies and I tend to jump a lot. And so when I got to Edinburgh, I really missed off, but then circumstances didn't allow me to have one. And then I got married. I married my husband and I. We moved together um, last year. And on my birthday, he said, "Right, we are going to get you a puppy." And the whole time I thought. Right, I thought he was just joking, but then <laughs> I really wanted a dog, so we started to see it. And we actually went to a lot of rescue centers and all that, but I almost feel like Hendrix finds us. He just, his picture, not not his picture, like the liquor, um, sort of show up in a friend's, friend's plate, and then, so we got in touch with the owner, and we saw, we went to see the litter, and the mom, and, Actually, when I was with the litter, um, I it well, Hendrick wasn't the one who attracted my attention, but he really, really attracted my husband. So my husband chose him. But at that point, I'm like, I'm okay with any dog, especially half <laughs> the breed, and anyone is fine. And he is half oh Hendrick, he's half Labradoodle, half Golden Retriever. But he only looks like a golden retriever. Like, and, but then like, he has a bit of poodle craziness in him. And he had his castrating surgery last week. Yeah, last week. And he's, but he's well now. So having him is a great thing during lockdown. And I think one greatest thing he taught me is, you know, like Scotland is known for its terrible weather. We have rain a lot and a lot. It's, the, the thing is, when it is raining outside, it really can bring you down. And especially during a during winter when the days are short. So the one day I was just walking him and it was it was raining so heavily and I was angry, I was mad or because of the convenience, I was soaking wet. And then but like stupid hands he was just playing as if nothing is happening, as if it's just a sunny day. And and he, like it that didn't affect him at all why I was getting so wind up by the weather. And then it just got me thinking. It is as if like there is nothing you can do about the weather. The only thing you can do is to change your mood. And I'm not saying that I am happy every time now it rains, but at least I have this awareness that 
well, maybe we can make a conscious effort to make myself feel better. Although most of the time, like sunny day definitely is easier. So I might just, I don't know, like um, watch a comedy or something if I'm feeling down. But it's just like, I mean, like looking at him, he was just like playing in the park, completely happy with the rain. But I wasn't happy when we got home because it took me ages to dry him. But then it's just like how mindful he is. Like, you know how when they are playing, when they're eating, they're only 100% concentrate on that job. They are the greatest mindfulness teacher ever. Like, I I feel it is so hard to be mindful. So even when you're talking to people in the diet, having a meal, you might want to check your phone or your mind might be somewhere. But like, his mind was just on the ball. He loves tennis ball. And his mind would be a hundred percent focused on the ball, and that's amazing. Like it's so yeah. hard to do, but he does it so effortlessly. Yes, they are the greatest teachers of being present. Yes, definitely. We are definitely. on point, and it yes. is. If you like, we Washington is known for rain as well, and so it gets really gloomy here too. And I don't want to go outside. And it's funny because Lena now kind of doesn't like the windy weather, but. Ryder is so happy. He's like always present. It's like always finding the good in in just the moment. Sweet, I get yeah. to go outside. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yes, mindfulness. Oh my gosh. Um. How has he or um your grandma's dog helped you kind of with your mental health? Well, actually, I think the dog really helps with my mental health. It's spicy. So in 2011, that is sort of like my second relapse into depression because I, um, I think I left university at that time, and then I was really struggling a lot in uni years. And I think one of the reasons is I was on contraceptive pills, and it affected my hormones. I only know it now, but at that time I didn't know. So, and I remember because my temper was so bad and my mood swing can be just so huge it really affects the people around me and at that time my then boyfriend he was like i don't think i can handle you like you are always sad like whatever you want like it seems never enough i think you should get a dog <laughs> and that's what he said so then i so when we broke up i was like yeah i need something and then one night um i was having dinner with my parents and i was like i think we should have a dog and then we I went to a pet shop. At that time, I know nothing about dogs. I didn't know that dogs in pet shop are bad, like especially in Hong Kong, like because there are so many, so many cruel human beings who don't breathe properly. And I didn't know that. So I I went to the pet shop, and Spicy was there. He was, you know, like you. It is always the cute puppies who get chosen, but he wasn't cute. Spicy wasn't cute, like. When Hedrick, when he was a baby, he was super cute, but Spicy wasn't cute. He was little and he was thin and he just looked sad. He just, just looked like a baby waiting to be abandoned. So, but I guess that is what, and he just looked so depressed and so sad in his white coat. And I'm like, oh my God, I felt Spicy <laughs> the soft version of me because he's so depressed. Oh. And then, and then, so I got spicy, and oh my god! Like even his personality is so much like me. He's his his mood mood swings is horrible. It's terrible his mood swing, 
and he throws tantrum all the time. He's still like, we try to train him in every way, but he is still, um, he's still like just him, right? Doing whatever he wants and bark at the loudest voice. And like, if I got spicy instead of handbread right now, I think my husband would, would not like dogs the way he likes handbread now. But, but the thing is like, Spicy is so intelligent as well. He, I guess I feel so close with Spicy. First of all, he's like the first dog. And also, he's just so much like me. He, like, you can find him just not wanting to do anything, not wanting to talk to anyone, and just in his bed, not wanting to move. So it's like when I was majorly depressed, I didn't want to talk to anyone and anybody. But the good thing about Spicy is when he, um, so when I was crying or when I was sad, he always, always knows. He always knows. And I think the moment that we really born is I was crying so bad and then he just come to me. But he was only like less than a year old and he was only home for a few months and he came to me and sort of just let me all over. And he, he used to not do it, but then, yeah. So I guess that is, when it's sort of, I know that you, I wasn't alone. And then I also like, because of spicy, I become a wee bit more outgoing in the sense that like, because I want to, <laughs> he's so adorable in his own way. So I want to show him to everyone. So I will take him to like more outdoor space, which I usually, because I live in a city. So I used to not go to a, like hiking or, you know, like even a more remote district, but then, because you want more space for them to run. So it just got me to actually go to different places more and get out more, which really helps. And I think, and it also sort of begins my relationship with dogs in general. So I started volunteering and volunteering. I, I didn't volunteer for a long period of time, but it was just for a wee while, but then it was such a rewarding experience. And then, and also, because I'm quite introverted and I think sometimes it's hard to initiate a conversation with people, but like, if you talk about dog, it's so easy. <laughs> it is a lot, a lot easier than even talking about the weather because you have endless stories about your dog and when you're talking to a dog lover, they, they will just share stories. So, so I actually have a few great friends who I actually met in dog park in Hong Kong. So yeah, I think that is, so like you, I can't quite pinpoint one particular moment, but then I think the whole time, um, while I was recovering, spicy and uh, then we got pepper. It's recognizing the whole journey, so it is really lovely in that sense. Yeah, it's interesting how they dogs are like pros at balancing, kind of like mirroring you, like you said, just showing you how you show up in the world, but also giving you what you need if you need to express those feelings and be angry or whatever you need to do or um what Ryder did for me was he gave me purpose like like you said you you have to go out and take them outside you have to get up and and help them with you know feeding them and all that stuff and he really gave me gave me that meaning back in life which was really important yeah <clears throat> And he also helped me with my social anxiety. I'm also introverted and don't want to go out. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. it's so easy when people are like, oh my gosh, cute dog. How old is he? Blah, blah, blah. And then I would have to initiate that conversation, which is also kind of why um, 
the business that I do is to be a pop-up shop owner and being able to talk to my customers about dogs like is so effortless for me that it's I know yeah I think my talk is so much easier than and than other things and so and then then I started to get really excited with some dog marathon or like dog events and it really just get you out there and then it sort of connect you with other people and then well all, you would first start talking about dogs so gradually you would start talking about yourself and then you make friends and I think it's all this little stuff that you don't realize and obviously they are like the best companions so yeah, yeah. um all right so let's see could you give um any advice or words of wisdom for the people who might be in the thick of the storm right now? I think we just need to remember that we are not alone and that also we, everything will pass, like happiness is will pass, but so, uh, so is sadness. So I guess we just need to enjoy every moment. Really, I don't really have words of wisdom, but I just- Yeah, that, that is awesome. Because everything will pass and everything really is a lesson so and it makes you uh it makes this life more interesting uh i wouldn't say easy or better but definitely interesting and yeah yes i agree awesome thank you so much for chatting with me thank you I am so excited to have Denise is coming back um, November 3rd, correct? I, I can't remember. I think it's November 3rd. And we're going to chat a little bit more about what she does for a living with her business because um, she's helped me in our little tiny space. It's really awesome. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, where can people find you if they want to connect? What's the best way to connect? Um, well, obviously, Instagram or Facebook. So it's facebook.com stroke in space or instagram.com stroke in space. And like after this, I, I can leave a comment in the link if you send me that. And yeah, or just email me. And if you have really cute dog photos, uh, I <laughs> love it. Yeah. I love your Instagram. You have such like an amazing insight to the world around you. I I love you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, I'm going to close out the show. I hope you guys got a little some nuggets in there because Denise is amazing. Um, Denise, stay on while I click yeah, on. Sure. Yeah. Sure, cool. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good week, guys. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Let me take this time to remind you, stop dimming your light. Stand brightly because the light is all around you. You do not need outside validation anymore. Embrace every aspect of you and start living truly authentic to your soul. Everything you want is in the light above solitude. If you love what you heard today and you feel called to support my work, you can now do so by buying me a coffee. A donation is never expected, but always greatly appreciated by me and my pack. 
Your support keeps the content flowing and my platforms as ad-free as possible. So head over to lightabovesolitude.com support. While you're there, check out all the ways we can connect further with details on my monthly membership, motivational text messages, and links to all my socials. You can even drop me a voicemail by clicking the mic icon in the lower right-hand corner. Until next time, friends, I love you.